0: But this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. We are continuing in our series of who we are. We have looked at a couple different things so far since the beginning of the, the year. One of those, the first one, we said who we are is that restoration is our message. And we looked at the story of the prodigal son and how. That was such a beautiful picture of restoration and the extravagance of the Father who represented God in that parable and how that is the message of First Church here in Grayson. Last week, we looked at who we are. People are our hearts. And we looked at the story from the New Testament of the paralytic man who was lowered in front of Jesus because they were in a room where in, in a house where they couldn't get him in to see Jesus. So they did not stop. They continued to persist until they found a way to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. So people are our hearts. This morning, we're going to look at who we are. Service is what we do. Service is what we do. So, John chapter 13, going to begin by reading verse 1 and read through verse 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, he put on on his clothes clothes I'm sorry and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you he asked them. You call me teacher and lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than those who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Bow your heads with me if you would. God, once again, thank you for allowing us to be here. God, thank you for allowing us to open up your word. God, not only are we able to bow our heads and and speak to you in prayer, but God, we're able to open your word freely and talk about it and learn from it. So, Father, I, I ask and I pray that you would open hearts, open ears, open minds and spirits to be able to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Father, challenge us, comfort us, bring, bring conviction to our hearts if that's what's necessary. God, I pray right now that you would use my voice to get your message out. That, Father, the words that I would speak this morning would not be inspired by me, but would be inspired by your Holy Spirit so Father, I just ask that you use me this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, what we're doing throughout this series in this look of who we are, we are, you know, taking some stories or incidences or scenes from the Bible and we're looking at them and just kind of, not necessarily retelling them, but telling them with a little bit of deeper context and maybe a little bit more of background than what we typically would. This is not so much a, you know, two, three point message and practical takeaways, but these are just revealing to us the heart of what God wants us to be doing as believers and as a church directly from his word. Now in ancient times, clean feet were a big deal. Okay. They had sandals that they went around with, and in the, in the times, there, were, there wasn't a whole lot of solid roadways. It was, it was dirt, it was nasty, if it was raining, it was mud, it was wet, it was just gross. And I'm sorry, I, I, I'm just going to make this overall statement here, feet are just kind of gross to begin with. Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of gross to begin with, and then if you get dirty feet, like really dirty feet, then ooh, all right, just ooh. So we're looking at this scene. Here we are, the Passover festival is beginning. I want us to keep in mind throughout this whole time that we have here together that this is the Thursday before Jesus' death. This is the Thursday before he goes to the cross as a sacrifice for you and I. And here he is in one of the final moments with his disciples, these people who have given their lives for him, these people who have abandoned everything to follow him, and here he is stowed away with them in this kind of what is a swan song of Jesus' final moments here on earth. Now, I don't know if if you guys think about this, but I, I think about this more frequently than what I used to. But as you get older, and I think that as you begin to understand that you know, the, the limits to your mortality and understand that our time here is very fleeting and we know that the end is coming, the legacy that we leave becomes a very big deal. At least for most people it does, because I know that when we're younger, we're thinking about what can we acquire, what can what goals can we achieve? What am I going to do with my life? And I believe that that question of what am I going to do with my life. Becomes what have I done with my life as we recognize that we're ending, you know, getting kind of close to the end, and that perspective changes. So I believe that these last moments on earth for anyone is a really big deal because that's kind of how we're going to be remembered. And here we have Jesus stowed away in this upper room, in this intimate setting, having this meal. The Passover meal had begun. And it said that Jesus knew his time was short. And in my mind, I'm thinking that Jesus maybe thought that this, uh, he would have wanted it to play out differently. Okay, Because here he sits with this group of believers, and you want to know what they're doing? According to the gospel of Luke, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. They're arguing about who's better than you. Or in the back, you know, in my school bus days, it was the my dad can beat up your dad kind of conversation. But here they are, and, and Jesus, there has to be disappointment on so many different levels in my mind this, this morning, because when you walked into a house in this culture, there was a wash basin there with water, because you were supposed to wash your feet when going into the house much so the disciples hadn't done that so there would have been disappointment there they were the Passover meal had already begun and when they had a meal at this time in this culture they didn't do it kind of the way that we do you know we all gather around a table it was you know they they gathered around the table but they kind of reclined they laid on their side and and there was a really good chance that someone's feet may be in your general area I'm perfectly fine with them all being under the table in our culture right now. I don't know about you guys, but if if I'm sitting at a table and somebody just cranks some feet up there on the table, <laughs> I, get thee behind me, Satan, may come out of my mouth. I don't know. But it was a big deal to wash your feet back then. So here one level of disappointment is, is, Number one, I've got these yahoos here who is arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Number two, these same guys that are arguing about being the greatest have gone, uh, they've ignored every right cultural protocol that you're supposed to in washing your feet. And now I've got one who I know is going to betray me. I've got Judas sitting here and I know that he is absolutely going to turn me over and he's going to be the literal death of me. Because of his actions. I've got another guy here, Peter, who's talking about, You never wash my feet. This guy's going to deny me here pretty soon three times. There has to be so deep of a level of disappointment that's going through Jesus' mind and his heart right now. My question to you this morning is if you were in Jesus' position, what would your reaction to this situation be? I tell you what I can think that mine would be. I would just start introducing truth. And I can't say that I would be introducing it with love at this point. It would be truth. But if you ever have you ever just felt yourself like you're getting ready to introduce some truth and you're getting ready to correct somebody, and it's so good you gotta take that deep breath? I mean, you just lay it out there. That's I think what my reaction is would have been but I want us to look real quickly this morning because I think that Jesus responded in love and I think that there are three three looks at his love here this morning that we can see and I believe that the first one is we see his love revealed and that's in verse one when we look and we see at the end he said having loved his own who were in the world he loved them till the end. Now we know that in John chapter 3, he says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. But there has to be a finishing here. That's the beginning of that, of when love came. But the beautiful part about it is, is love did not come, see the mess that was the world, and then change his mind and decide to go back. It says that love came, love was revealed, and according to this verse, he loved them to the end. And that's good news for you and I this morning personally because Jesus loves us to the end. I'm a mess, and I'll be the first one to tell you that. I don't have everything together. I mess up more than I should. I don't always treat my wife the, the way that she should be treated. I don't always react the way that I need to react. I, I don't always do the things that I'm supposed to do, but the beautiful part about it is, is whenever God sees that, God doesn't turn his back on me and walk away. God remains to the end. His love for you never changes. His love for you never fails. And if there's nothing else that we should walk away from here this morning encouraged by, it's that news. That no matter how big of a train wreck you walked into this place this morning, no matter how big of a train wreck you may walk out of here this morning, God's love will not abandon you. And that's really good news. And I think secondly this morning, we see in this scripture his love denied. In verse 2, he begins to talk about Judas. He begins to talk about the one that betrays him. And I wonder, I, I, can't, I can't relate to the thought processes of Jesus just, just because I'm not even that close, not even within the same zip code of his thought process, but I know in my mind if I know that someone who is directly in front of me is getting ready to betray me, to turn me over, to stab me in the back, and to cause me ultimately to wind up going to my death, unjust death, I don't know how much I can keep my love on towards that person. Just being honest with you, I don't know how deep and how solid my love is going to remain for them. But he looks at Judas and he knows already that Judas is, is going to betray him. And then thirdly, kind of where I want to camp out a little bit this morning is we see his love expressed. Because seeing all these things, having these disciples that haven't washed their feet, seeing these disciples who are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And you know what we see here, both with the lack of of washing their feet and with the arguing about who's going to be the greatest, we see pride. We see pride. We see focus on self. They're self-absorbed. And I think that if we're all really honest this morning, pride is something that we all struggle with as well. So Jesus had all of these rights and all of these grounds to be able to correct, to be able to point a finger, to be able to really admonish and really lay them out. My family used to call them come to Jesus meetings. I don't know what you all called them, but whenever I heard, we got to have a come to Jesus, man. I'm going to go to Jesus before we have this meeting, all right, because this is not going to be good. But what Jesus does is he gets up. And this, is, this is not an accurate representation. It does say love, though. I would like for you all to notice that. It says love. I put a little bit of thought into this. He gets up and he takes a towel without saying a word. He begins to wash the feet of his disciples. These same disciples who are getting ready to betray him. These same disciples, they're getting ready to deny him. These same disciples that... They were not aware. They they weren't taking advantage of having Jesus in their midst. And the reason I say that they weren't taking advantage of it is because everything was still about them. It was still about me. What can I get? How can I further myself? How can I advance myself? How's my agenda, how's my motives going to be furthered? But then Jesus begins to wash their feet. Begins to serve them. He begins to make himself lowly. Understand in this culture, someone who washed the feet of the guest or washed the feet of others would have been basically the lowest on the totem pole within the household. The, the hired hand, the slave, however you want to term it, the servant, the low the lowest of the low would have been the one who. To wash the feet. Not a teacher, not a rabbi, not a not a savior, not the son of God. And certainly not one of the disciples. I can't wash somebody else's feet because I'm going to be greater than you. And if I'm going to be greater than you, then how can I wash your feet? You should be washing my feet. But Jesus, son of God, savior, redeemer, healer, deliverer, takes the towel, assumes a lowly position, and begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Kevin this morning in our prayer time made a really poignant statement, and I'm going to steal it since he trademarked it at the end of the statement. But he, we were talking about serving and he said that, you know, basically that serving isn't something that, you know, we, we should wait to do, isn't something that we think that we have to do, it's, it's what we do. We are, and he made this statement that we are each gifted spiritually. You are all gifted spiritually. You're gifted to serve others. You're gifted to serve Jesus Christ and you're gifted to serve others. And the beautiful part about following Jesus is that he'll never ask you to do something that he's not done himself. The only difference is most of the time Jesus did things without having to be asked to do them. We don't do that very well. (laughs) At least I don't. Jesus, even in this moment of where, hey, if I know that I'm getting ready to go to my death here soon, it may be about me. But again, I struggle with pride. I struggle with self-promotion. I struggle with thinking about myself too much. But Jesus, during this moment, was thinking about those around, them, around him and serving them. So he goes and he washes the feet of the disciples. He washes the feet of the one who's getting ready to betray him. He washes the feet of the one who's getting ready to deny him. We struggle with having a decent one-on-one conversation with somebody who may have looked at us wrong on social media. We struggle serving others who have different political ideals than what we have. We struggle serving people who may have other ideas about religion than we have. We struggle serving people who have different ideas of what family is than what we have. They're not threatening our lives, but yet we struggle with serving. And that is not what Jesus Christ wants us to be about. If we look at the last verse again, verse 17, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. See, here's, here's what I think that we have a struggle with as believers. This is an official Will Hoyt gavel, by the way. It's not the one he uses, he wouldn't give me that one. What we like to lead with, typically, now I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying that typically, believers in Christ, we like to lead with judgment. We like to lead those who are around us who are not doing quote unquote right. We like to lead with judgment. <laughs> Guilty. You you don't agree with me? <clears throat> Guilty. You don't believe the way that I believe? <clears throat> Guilty. You don't like the things that I like? <clears throat> Guilty. We lead with judgment far too often, when most of the time, Jesus wants us leading with the towel. He wants us leading with service. He wants us leading with love. He wants us impacting a community. He wants us impacting a region with the love of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we show the love of Jesus Christ is by serving. This rarely I will say rarely, shows the love of Jesus. This shows judgment. Now, I will say, I do believe that it's important for me to say this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul gives us instruction on judgment. He says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that believers have no business judging the world. I, I tell you what, I, just, I didn't have this in my note, but I'm going to read this just so you know I'm not making it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, if you have your Bible and you would like to follow along with me. What business business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Then he puts he doesn't stop there. Are you not to judge those inside? See, I think we have it backwards. I think that we believe our job is to judge the world. And when we get into here and our relationships in here, it's like, don't, don't, don't bring that up. Don't judge me. See, I think we've got it backwards because what scripture's telling us is like, don't judge sinners. Don't judge the world. Verse 13, God will judge those outside. Now, I I do believe that it would be remiss of me not to point this out. I believe that there are times that as brothers and sisters in Christ, as Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 5, that there needs to be judgment within the house, but it has to be done in love. You see, this, No, okay, This hitting something doesn't make that loud of a sound. It's not as impact. It's not as hurtful. But That, on the other hand, that's loud. See, none of y'all sleeping today, all right? I think I'm just going to keep this up here and just keep a watch as I'm preaching. But see, even in the times when this is necessary, if we use this, Without love, then it causes damage. But when you take love, and there has to be judgment, there has to be accountability, there has to be these standards implemented. It's a completely different story because there's a buffer there. There's something that that takes that damaging effect, that impact And it takes it off of there. See, guys, we are called to serve. It's not an option for us to serve. It's not a, well, if I get the chance, I need to serve. Or "If, if the opportunity comes in front of me, then I will serve. No, you are supposed to be serving as an individual, as a believer. We're supposed to be serving as a church. Why? Because Jesus Christ did so, and he said, now that you know that you should be doing these things, if you do them, you're going to be blessed. Who we are, we serve, because Jesus Christ first served us. I want to go ahead and ask the the worship team, if they would, to come up here. I think that if we're looking at a challenge, if we're looking at something, how to implement this in our life, what would these relationships, maybe the people that you work with, maybe the people that you are just, maybe it's a parent group, someone, you know, your child, you, your kid plays sports or does an extracurricular activity or is involved with something with one of these parents that you just don't like. No pointing fingers, okay. Let's let's not do that. But what would it look like if we led with service, and even the people that we had the toughest problems with, the mo- the, the deepest rooted issues with? What if we looked at them through a lens of service first, instead of judgment first? Looking at the people that may, maybe maybe just trying to look at them and, and say, God. Show me who they are in you. God, how do you see them? Because our natural fleshly inclination is always going to be to judge and not to serve.